Welcome everybody to this new episode of the Women in Technology Spotlight. I'm so happy to have you here again. Today I have with me Megan Liu. She is a data scientist at Narrator. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Um, I know that I follow behind other awesome women that you've had on your show previously, so I'm really honored. Thank you so much, Megan. Um, let's just kick up with a question about, so I introduced as a data scientist and obviously I'm quite interested what you do on a daily basis. What is a data science and what is your job? Yeah, a data scientist um, at the most basic level really turns raw data into actionable insights by um, being able to predict um, future uh, future decisions that the company should make. And um, yeah, at, at the end of the day, everything that I do is in support of um, being able to uh, help management have data-driven um, uh, decisions. And it's been a really fun learning journey um, towards becoming a data scientist. And now that I, I am one, um, it is a super exciting role to be in. And I really love what I do at Narrator. Yeah, that's actually my next question. How do you become a data scientist? Because there's obviously there's not a study says, okay, this is a study yeah. to become a data scientist. What did you do? Yeah, certainly you can study to become a data scientist in school. I know that these days there are a lot of data science um, undergrad and master's degrees that a lot of employers do recruit from um, when they are looking for their um, entry-level data scientists. But for me, that is unfortunately not how I entered the field. I Looking back, I always wish that I had taken, um, I had studied some kind of field that was closer to data science, but I actually came from a finance background and did very little uh, related to data analytics and data science in school, minus a couple of courses. And it was really those courses, maybe a handful, like three or four courses um, that I took while in business school um, as sort of side side classes just to fill my time. Um, those classes that really shaped the um, what I wanted out of my career, but I didn't realize it until a couple of years into um, in, uh, post-graduation because um, immediately after I graduated from university, I went into the finance field because I had studied finance, I had prior internships in finance, and I truly thought that that was going to be my career path for life. Um, I ended up at a big four consulting firm um, as a financial analyst, and coming out of business school, that really was what I had defined as success for myself, um, ending up at a big company where I get to do finance, the, the, the field that I studied for, um, what more could I want, right? Um, and then two years into that career, when I decided that I was really burnt out and truly as, as deep as I had dug into, like, into, like, the, I, I dug deep and I still could not find any more passion to um, give to the field and that was when I had to 
ask myself what would be my next move, what would be my pivot. And I thought back to those classes that I had taken um, in, in college about um, business analytics and machine learning and statistics, econometrics, things like that. Um, and in school, you know, didn't really pay attention to those classes because I had thought that I was, at that time, I already had my, my full-time offer lined up to work in finance. So took those classes as just, you know, to fill up my time, like I said. Um, but now uh, at this point where I'm at, you know, not right now, but at the point where I was burnt out, um, I decided that I would give this um, data thing a try because it was probably like one of the very few other fields that I had any exposure to. So I was like, I have nothing to lose um, except for like the past two years of my life and several thousand dollars in tuition, um, which I had already sunk in and decided to go for data analytics. And um, after about a four month job search, I eventually made that transition, became an analytics consultant and as an analytics consultant, I uh, learned all of the data tools that I pretty much um, know today and that I need for my, my job every day, such as um, SQL, that's a big one, Python, R, statistics, um, data visualization, and building models and things like that. And those were the skills that I, um, I really had to hone in to uh, make another pivot to become become a data scientist uh, four months ago. And um, four months ago was when I ended up at Narrator and it's been an awesome journey so far. So to sum it all up, um, it, was, it definitely was not a straightforward path to become a data scientist for me. I was not somebody who went to school for the field and immediately joined as a data scientist. I had to jump through a couple of hoops and go uh, sideways and every which direction uh, before coming here. And I do think that it is a pretty common um, path to take where you first get into a data analytics role before um, becoming a data scientist. And so that that is a path that I've seen other people take as well. Um, and yeah, it can be a, a long winding journey, but it is very worth it, at least in my case. Yeah. So it's interesting that you are one of the many career switches I talk to. So there's so many women who don't start out in tech or in IT, and then all of a sudden, you know, they they change and, and they find a passion there. But what I also found interesting is that, I mean, you have this this beaten path that you were following you had this career in front of you and you really you, you finished your studies and then you went into as you said you were in one of the top four consulting firms and and so basically everything that everyone would would assume um is something that you'd want right, right. and and it's and what I find interesting is that when we set out on our path to a career we often don't realize what it really means to be inside that career later so I was wondering, um, I mean, it's a bit of, of a pivot from what you're doing now, but I would be interested in um, what set you on that path to being a financial analyst um, or business analyst. Was that something um, you had role models for? Is your family in that business? Or what was the reason you chose that field, actually? 
Yeah, I had chosen finance um, as what I thought I would end up doing after college because um, I, in the business school that I was at, um, it was mostly like finance and consulting roles that were held in esteem. And it was also, and that was a product of the kinds of companies that our business school often attracted. And in turn, that influenced what students believed would be considered successful. And so, yeah, coming out of my business school, it was like, yeah, it's, you have to do finance. Like everybody does finance um, because that's where all the, the money is. And yeah, when I was young, I think I was very, um, very like influenced by what other people were doing or what other people considered uh, was uh, their definition of success. And so, yeah, I was uh, very impressionable is the word I'm trying to say. Um, and yeah, I just went along with the, the flow, that flow because all of my friends were going into finance. Um, investment banking was really the, the it thing to do. And I followed along with that. Yeah, and I do agree if you look at maybe movies and, and things, and that's also like this this epitome of success that you will see, you know, this investment mm -hmm. bankers with their sharks, exactly. the money they're making and, you know, all that. that yeah. So I, I can imagine that if you are within that community, that this is the mm -hmm. path would be pushed on maybe. And I think that also uh, brings me to the importance of role models and peers, because, you know, the reason I'm doing this podcast is to show other women, you know, how you can be successful in a tech career as a woman. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So coming back on, on that, that switch, what changed when you moved from finance to tech for you? Yeah, uh, quite honestly, I just, it wasn't rewarding for me anymore. Um, and I felt like the, that the concepts that I had learned in school about finance, about corporate finance, um, valuation and um, related courses to that, like I was also um, studying it to take a, uh, my chartered financial analyst um, exam uh, when I was working in finance as well. Um, and then I was also working with those concepts um, every day on the job, but it still like never clicked with me. Um, I, I remember feeling like the, the valuation and like stock market and, and like, um, just like all of these very complex finance topics that I had learned in school, um, I was seeing them again and again when I was uh, on the job, but like mm -hmm. I never bothered to really, really understand the fundamentals of the concepts. Like I was either memorizing it or I always depended on um, my seniors and my managers to explain to me like what was going on in our uh, financial models. I and I never understood it. And I had to dig deep and ask myself, why is it that you don't care to learn these things? Um, and at the end of the day, it was because I, I it was just not my passion. Um, and I saw it as just a means to an end, which was like to get the paycheck. And I 
don't think that that was very healthy and that can only take you so far. And so when I was burnt out with the workload, combining that with the passionless existence that I had, uh, that really came to a head when um, it, it manifested itself in uh, performance issues that, that my manager had brought up to me. And that was the final straw that indicated to me this was not the place for me. Um, I, if this, I, if I had to live like this for the next 40 years of my life before I retire, like that's not the kind of existence that I wanted. And so I really had to go out there in search of something, something new. And I happened upon um, this field in tech called data analytics, right? And that too could have been um, something, like that was a shot in the dark. It was just, another field that I had at least some exposure to, but I was like, I'm going to give this a try. And it worked out because um, just being able to think um, in like a data analyst or a data scientist's mindset in approaching um, data problems is something that naturally like clicked with my brain in a way that um, building financial models never did. Uh, and, and I just find this work just a lot more um, fulfilling because I find myself really enjoying solving problems. And that was never something that I could say about my time in, in finance. And it, yeah, I, I do think that I got lucky in finding the, like this field that clicked so easily with me on my first try. But, you know, for a lot of other people, it might take multiple pivots to find um, something where they feel fulfilled every day at work. Um, and so I, I acknowledge that there was some luck in me um, happening upon the field that like was the perfect fit for me. Yeah, I think there's always a, an element of, of luck in our lives when we choose careers. I mean, sometimes it, it's easier to, to find the right thing. Sometimes it's harder. And your journey wasn't easy after all. I mean, you had four years or, or longer of, of work that you were doing that you didn't enjoy. And I found it interesting that you said that you didn't care enough to learn and that the passion mm -hmm. wasn't there because I always feel I'm also a career switcher. And um, I always felt that if you are interested in something, you can actually learn anything. And you have shown that by becoming a data scientist. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting that you can be as intelligent as you like, but if it doesn't interest you, there's just not the, that push there to, to, to yeah. make you try and understand it. And I think a lot of people don't understand that when they choose their career. You know, they go for something because uh, there's money there or someone tells them to, I mean, for example, African parents, they have this idea of what you're supposed to do. That's a medical doctor, a lawyer, or mm -hmm, an engineer. Mm -hmm. Same with Asian and parents, yeah. yeah. And everything else doesn't really exist. So um, so they do yeah. that, but they don't understand. And you talked about, you know, those 40 years that uh, you had to, you would have had to spend in that passionless existence. I mean, this is something... Now, people really underestimate how important it is to find something that, that you're interested in and that brings you some sort of joy. Of course, not every day is the same, but you have to have some kind of, of um, connection to the work you're doing. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. those external factors can only motivate you so far. Um, and these days I, I can be up until like 9, 10 p.m. just studying 
things outside of work to mm-hmm. um, to enrich my own knowledge about the field and and how to stay on top of trends it, that's happening um, in my field. Whereas in my previous job, like once it hit 5 p.m., I would shut off my laptop. You cannot talk to me. I will not do anything related to work. Um, and it's it's just such a refreshing feeling to find that one thing that makes you want to um, burn that midnight oil sometimes and and solve hard problems that you never thought you could do. Um, mm-hmm. And for anybody who is still in search of that thing, I would encourage them to keep searching because it's it's so worth it to find something that um, that lights you up every day. Yeah, I totally agree. And coming to things that light you up, I would like to know a little bit more about what you do besides um, being a data scientist, because I saw in your profile, you have like 34,000 followers on LinkedIn, so you must be doing something else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the 34,000 followers, I think, speaks to how much time I do spend on LinkedIn, which is <laughs> admittedly a lot more than I would like. Um, I it's LinkedIn is very addicting to me because um, like any other social media platform, it is very addicting, but also the connections that I'm able to make um, from people who share similar interests and also the, their posts that I can learn from, that's just what keeps me coming back. And it's LinkedIn has directly played a role in not only helping me find my my roles in tech but also um, opening opportunities for the future for me and just making me care more about the course of my career um, because I'm around people who also care a lot about their careers and it's kind of it could be it's, it could be an echo chamber um, in uh, positive ways and negative ways. Um, and so as with any kind of social media consumption, LinkedIn does have to be limited at at times, I admit. Um, and then outside of <laughs> outside of all the time I spend on social media, I am also a competitive power lifter. I am training for my first competition in three years um, is happening in exactly two months. So we've been um, training intensely for that. And it's, that's my passion in the gym is, has always been my first love. And even before I found my passion for, for data science, um, that the, the, my health and, and my gym has been my mainstay in my life that has, mm-hmm allowed me to de-stress um, in in various points of my life. And so uh, if I'm not at work, then I'm probably uh, in my gym at home working out. So kind of that's just my balancing. Uh, like that's what keeps me grounded um, throughout the day. It's interesting how calming lifting heavy weights can be, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you put in your earphones and listen yeah. to some good music, you can't hear the, the clang of the iron. So it's fine. Maybe my neighbors can, but not my problem. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's actually such a good thing to have, you know, like this balance from and that takes you out of your head, you know, exactly. So, um, because uh, before the pandemic, I, I, I've never done, you know, like professional powerlifting, but I did uh, go and lift weights and, and you know, and, and I found it so grounding. 
And yeah. I can only recommend it to many, to women to do that because, you know, usually you find women doing cardio and not weights, but I would exactly, yeah. recommend. And it's just very empowering as well um, mm -hmm. to, to know that you have not only a mental strength, but a, a physical strength um, to be able to do these difficult things. And that is something that transfers to a lot of areas in life. True, true, very true. So unfortunately, we're nearly at the end of the, the 30 minutes really? I, usually, oh. yes, I usually do in the interview. So um, what I would like to ask you, and of course, you have talked about uh, a couple of things that you would recommend, like, for example, you know, trying to find something that lights you up. But if you were talking to yourself, like maybe 10 years ago, what would you recommend yourself? Yeah, I... Okay, so every single podcast I've been on, I've given like some different advice. So I'm going to like try to keep that and, and not repeat um, any advice I've given before on previous podcasts. Um, I would say to, and then this echoes a post that I made um, earlier this week on LinkedIn, so it's fresh in my head, um, to not play the comparison game um, growing up and especially thinking back to who I was 10 years ago in like high school, I, um, the comparison game was, was what fueled me. Comparing myself to my peers was what gave me my self-worth and um, motivated me to, to reach my goals just because I wanted to beat a certain person, um, either get better grades or, you know, um, uh, like graduate at the top of my class, things like that. Um, yeah, like competition was something that was really fueling to me, um, and always being in competition with others, just being a very competitive person. And, and I think now I'm starting, starting to have not completely starting to reach a, a, a phase in my life where, um, I'm realizing that what somebody does in their own lives, even if it can cause some minor jealousy to me, like it has nothing to do with me because the only person that I'm in competition with should be myself. Um, and that is because like, no matter how much you envy somebody um, or wish you were that person or had their things, like no matter how much you resent that person for, for having these things that you want, that person will continue winning no matter what your thoughts are about them so like and and then in the process you're just going to burn yourself out you're going to stress yourself out and, and get all worked up for no reason and so it's like a lose-lose um the person that you're in competition with is still going to be doing awesome and mm -hmm. you're just going to set yourself back by um sabotaging yourself mentally and when I realized that it was this lose-lose game I was like then what is the point of um, being in comp being in these competitions with people, um, and and especially now uh, when all of my friends and everybody that I I know we're all in different we've all charted different paths we're all living very different lives um, it, it just doesn't make sense to compare yourself to to others um, and because you never know what they're going through. Whereas ten years ago when I was in school, like everybody else was doing the same exact thing right so it's like pretty easy to be like oh like yeah I can compare myself to these people but 
as we get older and and our lives diverge from other people's lives it just doesn't make sense to Mm -hmm. to compare yourself to anything that they're doing or what they have or what they've accomplished because it truly is just you against yourself yeah that's such a good point really you know because um comparing yourself to others and even though you say it makes sense in school it's also a way to you know um neglect to look at what is really important to yourself because you're focused on the outside instead of the inside so that's one thing you so you're constantly comparing yourself to someone but in the end you have no clue who you are because you're just busy trying to be better at something that someone else is doing maybe that goes back to what you what we were saying about how the external motivators can only get us so far like our parents Mm. or our peers saying that you should be doing something um if you are neglecting what truly lights you up or or who you are on the inside you're not going to get very far so the conversation goes comes full circle exactly and I also like that you said that you're in competition with yourself and what you can try to achieve is to be better than you were yesterday or the day before yesterday but you can't really because you don't really even know what's going on in other people's lives so it may look yeah. great on the outside but in the end maybe they're suffering even worse than you are in the same right. job that you didn't like or whatever exactly so yeah I think that's a good point to make and thank you for that I think we it's good to remember that sure. and it's also good to remind yourself of that from time to time because we always you know we get into situations and we see someone getting promoted or getting I don't know whatever the better right. holiday whatever it is you know yeah and then we just get upset for yeah for no, no reason. reason really <laughs> exactly so thank you so much Megan thank you for giving me your time it was a pleasure talking to you likewise <laughs>